Welcome to Bodies by Brent podcast. I am your host, Brent Ruska, and on today's episode, we have Casey Lepper. Casey is a spiritual guide and healer, as well as a psychotherapist specializing in individual and couples counseling. She often integrates the spiritual with the psychological in her work to assist others in moving towards their highest potential. In today's episode, we cover why supportive relationships are the foundation to a rich and purposeful life, how to take responsibility for our own issues and clear our trauma, and what to look for in a new relationship and how to best prepare yourself. Whether you've been in a long-term relationship or just starting out, there's going to be a lot of golden nuggets in this episode for you. And I can't wait for part two with Casey, where we dive deeper into the spiritual side of relationships and personal growth. Before we dive into it, I want to give a product shout out to Recess, these amazing hemp and adaptogen infused sparkling drinks, uh, mocktails. I found these a couple months ago at the gas station and they make you feel real groovy. And what I love about adaptogens is they work with your body. They naturally balance out stress. If you're low energy, they bring you up. If you're high energy, they bring you down. They don't disrupt their sleep. They help with sleep. They help managing stress and they help continue to build momentum towards your fitness and health goals. The opposite of what alcohol does. All right, guys, if you like this episode, please leave a review, share it with somebody you think would benefit from it, and always hit me up on Instagram or TikTok and let me know your thoughts. All right, let's get into it. Casey? Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, super excited to have you here. Uh, one of my passions is relationships because being a trainer for 17 years, I've, you know, in the past working a lot one-on-one -on -one with people, you get to know people's lives super intimately. Mm -hmm. And I've been through everything with everyone from divorce to new relationships oh, yeah. to, I mean, even when I was in Seattle, I had so many women in their late twenties and thirties that would just tell me these horror stories of dating. And I almost started a podcast to just have women on to just talk about the horrendousness of Seattle dating. I mean, they're all kinds of variety. So mm -hmm. relationships are so pivotal also to the quality of your health and your fitness. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I have a lot of people that embark on their fitness journey and roadblocks appear because of certain relationships in their lives. Right. So I'm very excited to have you on. So tell us, tell me a little bit about your story, your background. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I was always very well suited to analyzing the human mind and condition. I've always been really interested in it. My dad has a story of me being four and answering a question that he asked. He said, what's wrong with you? And I said, once I find out what's wrong with you, I'll find out what's wrong with me. So this, it, I, I really love breaking apart human behavior and the, and the human condition to figure out why people do the things that they do. There's such a curiosity there and detective work because it's so, everyone's so unique. And as I was on my journey in undergrad doing psychology, I thought I would maybe go to a more research-based, um, on a more research-based path. But then I found I was really, really interested in meeting with people one-on-one -on -one to help them. And to just try to understand. And hopefully through that, the questioning and the reflective listening, I could figure out a way to help people live better lives. And then I met Logan, my husband. 
And I realized when you are in a relationship with a supportive person and you have a really strong relationship, that gives you the greatest container, the greatest foundation to live a really, really rich life, like rich with purpose and creativity and expression and passion. And it was from all my poor relationships, hence issue with dad, it started a, a, a pattern of finding men who really weren't the best for me. Mm-hmm. So when I met Logan and I realized, oh my gosh, this is how great life can be when you have that partnership. What was the pattern that you would pick that wasn't working? And then what did you change to pick the right pattern? So I, my father is a really one fun person, but he's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so unreliability Having my dad the way that he was, I took on a lot of responsibility. So I'm really, really comfortable in control and responsibility and shouldering a lot of burden. And so a lot of my partners were like really fun, like life of the party. Let's travel. Let's do things. But when it came down to who was holding the responsibility for the relationship, it would always be me. So I'd shoulder a lot of blame. Um, through different relationships that stacked on myself so hard that I started becoming a shell of who I really was. And it wasn't until I was in my grad program and in a relationship at that time that I realized I am dating my dad. Like I am dating my dad. And that is something I, I've known. It's a very common question of if you're having issues in a relationship, you ask like, what's your relationship to your parents? Mm -hmm. But I was so close to it that I didn't see it so clearly. And once I saw it, the glass shattered. As soon as I recognized it, I said, I have to change. It's just me. It's just a reflection of my issue. And so what am I doing wrong? What am I, what's the error in my thinking? And it's that I have to take care of someone wholly. And that really, really sets the foundation for my work with couples. I've trained in lots of different methods. I've read many books. I've worked in conference settings with the Gottmans and Esther Perel, among many others, Sue Johnson. And what I realized through my direct experience and all the direct experience I have with couples, that we have a personal responsibility to figure out our own issues. We cannot blame the other person for drawing out negative emotions or feelings or making us feel unsafe. That's really an inside job. And we all have that responsibility to clean that trauma or burden or pain or wounds up within ourselves, And it's only from that healed place can we have an ideal relationship long term. Well, how do you begin to clean up those wounds? Like what's the first part of that process? So if I'm in the process with a couple, what I like to do is see where is it manifesting in the relationship first. Everyone says communication. <laughs> which it's true. The communication, good communication allows for less conflict. But when there's a lot of wounds, I equate it to walking 
in a big field with a ton of minds. Like good communication may give you some finesse to move around it, but it's just long term, you're still going to run into some issues. Yeah. And so most people come in for communication. But what I have found is looking at the bigger picture of what patterns are manifesting and how it's connected to the individual's personal narratives. And it's from figuring out those personal narratives that you can see, oh, this couple is just living a pattern of conditioned reactions. Hmm. And who even knows what's going on? It's just the expectation of, oh, if I'm not serving my partner, my partner is going to find someone else. And so they find themselves creating that reality over and over and over, and even if it's not there. Do you have an example of a couple that has a you know, this communication problem, and then you found the pattern, like a specific pattern? Mm-hmm. So going off of that, that example I just used, so I've, I have a couple I work with or used to work with, and he felt so much responsibility for her emotional states. So if she was sharing, oh, I feel a little disconnected or I feel a little low, he was taking all of that onto himself and saying, well, and he's a very logical person. So he's like, well, we just spent time together here. So he was trying to process her emotions and gave himself the responsibility of fixing them. But the issue was arising when he couldn't point to what he had done to create the negative emotional state in her. And so as a result, he's in his head, not really connecting with her, not really doing what she's wanting. And meanwhile, she's telling the story of, see, I can't share anything. Otherwise, he just gets upset. So what we boiled it down to at one time was he had been cheated on by every woman that he was with. And so when she, his current wife, when she gets upset and doesn't feel connected, he has fear. He has fear because that is in his direct experience. That's a warning that something bad is going to happen. So he is approaching the whole problem, the whole situation, the whole communication with fear Mm. and saying, There's something I have to do to protect myself from getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And so it was realizing that this is actually just a recycled pattern that is manifesting in this relationship, but you're actually missing what she's saying. What she's saying is that she just wants to connect. So instead, if you just lay down that old story and say, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to go on a date? You want to? Yeah, that's what I want. And then it moves a person out of that cycle. Now, so in that specific case, the skills were built in the relationship to allow for an adjustment really quickly. Mm-hmm. So in, b- before we started working together, every time that pattern would come up, mm-hmm. it was like quicksand. It would just, everything would fall apart. And so couples therapy, a lot of it is about building the scaffolding so you can be really aware of what those 
holes in the earth are. Mm-hmm. And so instead of falling all the way down into it, you're like, oh, I've almost fallen down this kind of, but I'm pulling myself out. And so it's creating that structure. So couples can communicate about what they're actually feeling and what this is connected to and pull themselves out. Yeah. And then in a case like that, there's some individual work you have to do because we have to heal that wound that for sure. it's just not through the mind. He can't just every time say, Oh, it's not about this. It's not about this. That will get you so far. But to really have freedom is to eliminate all the pain from the past, not just mentally create a scaffolding. So you're not falling into it. Do you believe that everybody has patterns that yes. they exhibit? Everyone, everyone, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is it a good recommendation that everybody should be exploring these patterns? I think so. I think so. I think sometimes the patterns are are really... Because it almost sounds like it's so subtle or you don't even know they're happening. It's almost, it seems it's a communication issue, but it's it's almost like he's just, she's singing in an octave that he just literally can't hear. Exactly. Because he has a tape being played and it's blocking it out. And so they're living in almost two different realities and both of them are like, well, no, this is exactly what's happening mm-hmm. and you have to get them to figure it out somehow. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. It so is, it's yeah. important to be diving into what are my patterns from my past? Mm-hmm. So what are good ways to explore that? Obviously therapy. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that in therapy to start to explore those things? The therapeutic process is really about building the relationship in a container to where I'm able to see the perspective of where the pattern is showing up. Mm-hmm. We live so close to ourselves that it's really hard to know what our patterns are without any reflection. Mm-hmm. And that's what a therapist does. I mean, you could take this even with personal training. If someone's never seen a mirror and they've just been doing squats in, in a way that feels right to them, and they have no one to say, actually, you should push through your heels a little bit more Then the, their whole life. They're building a muscle or building an exercise in a way that's not completely effective. Mm-hmm. There's a tiny adjustment that can happen. And then the more complicated the exercise, the greater chance that it's, it's really not doing much at all. And so therapy is about reflection. And that means showing someone the things they don't want to see especially in terms of a relationship. So a lot of times couples come in and one is so certain that they're the right one. And then you realize that this is, this is, I mean, both of you are to blame and the blame isn't usually on one side. Very, very rarely is one person to blame. It's about the dynamics and the pattern of interaction. And so I think a way we can start to ask ourselves it is if I were to change one habit about myself, what would it be? I love that. Where am I limiting my own potential? Because truthfully, I'm about the human potential movement. I truly in my own life have experienced greater depths of joy and purpose and mystery and all all the things that it way more than I ever thought I'd be able to experience. And there was a time where I thought I had figured it out. But 
luckily I have mentors or spiritual teachers or friends who I'm like, please tell me if you need to punch me in the face. Please tell me where I'm not seeing myself. And I've been humbled over and over and over about pieces of myself I was not even seeing, not even looking at. And so if we think about living our most ideal life, what's standing in my way, it's always going to be yourself. Your mind is your biggest battle. It's no one else. It's not COVID. It's not society. It's not this, that, the other. It's yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you own that and you take the responsibility of asking yourself the question, what is stopping me? What's limiting me? How am I getting in my own way? You'll have some answers that come up. Hmm. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. So don't fool yourself in thinking, oh, I've deeply self-reflected. I'm good to go. That's probably a good sign that you need to you need some more tools or someone to help you look at yourself even deeper. Yes. Because you could continue to expand your life in more potential that you don't even realize. Right. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what where you thought you were like I'm doing great. And then you were reflected or found within yourself a, a limitation that you worked on mm-hmm. and moved through. Mm-hmm. One of the easier examples to explain is I thought I was, I was living this really incredible life. I thought I was able to manifest. I thought I found something that served people. I thought I was in like a really great relationship and I, and I was, but that was only at my level of consciousness then. And how I explain this to people is, do you remember Instagram 10 years ago? Like everyone was (laughs) using like hip to mastic or hip to the filters. If you go back and actually look at those photos, they're so crappy. They're blurry. They're like, what are these rainbow colors in it? And like, we all thought that was good. I think about my life like that all the time of like, okay, maybe now I feel like I have high megapixel, really great, like view, like a view or image of my life, but it could always be, always be greater. That's a good mindset. It is. And, and some of some of the times we're just not allowing us ourselves to have the opportunity of seeing better examples of what we're doing. And so about five years ago, I thought I like had it. I thought I could manifest. I thought I could do all these things. I thought I had like this great relationship and I did according to what I saw around me. But when I started seeking and dove more like I was reading many books but books still can you're not really seeing the living breathing example like mm-hmm. knowledge without application is nothing mm-hmm. and so I was seeking to find people who had it and I, I didn't know what it was but now I surround myself with people who I am so inspired by in all different ways it's through that inspiration through knowing there's something more that I know I have more to climb and so with, I mean, man, I was limiting myself in terms of relationship. I thought Logan and I, my husband were in this perfect place, but I realized we weren't really living our true potential. We were living like a percent of our expression from our highest, best, most core essential self. Mm-hmm. And when we started to unpackage that, 
we realized our relationship was actually built a lot on ego. There's a lot of potential within the relationship, but there was a lot of psychological conditions that were limiting the nature of where the relationship could actually get to. So do you think a lot of people create relationships based on ego? Yes. Mm -hmm. And how can you tell that it's based on ego? Like, is there side effects that you can kind of look (laughs) at your relationship and go, oh, I've, I've done this. I think first it's, well, one of the biggest ways is what you said. When you think I'm done, our relationship is the best, my my life is the best, then you've failed because there can always be greater. And when we think, oh, our life is really stable and happy and that's just it, then then you're actually stagnating and then moving backwards because nothing is actually at rest. Everything's in movement. So either you're moving forward or backwards. And so the only thing perfect in this world is the pursuit of perfection. And that means for me, complete peace and joy at all moments of the day, regardless of what stimulus is outside of myself. So to be truly in love and in peace and in joy, regardless of anything. And so I, again, that's like an inside job. And then when two people have found that, then a real, real strong, powerful, profound relationship can grow. But it takes those two parts. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you have advice for people that are in the dating pool right now? They're in their 30s, they're trying to date and they're trying to create a good strategy for who to look for and how to begin a relationship. Do you have some simple but yet powerful advice for, Yeah. because right now it's very, you know, you know, I've trained a lot of women and it, it seems very chaotic for a lot of people and very confusing on what they should be looking for, you know, how they should be approaching any of it. Uh, so I'd love your input. I think primary is knowing who you are. If you're not living from that place, then anyone you bring into your life will be a reflection of that ignorance. Wow. So the greater your ability to know who you are, then you'll only bring people into your life that do reflect that truth. And that's going to cut out a lot of drama and a lot of disappointment. And the second piece of that is to not sell yourself short. People... And I, I work with many women, late 20s, early 30s. We understand there is a biological clock issue. It puts a lot of pressure on the situation of dating. And I find so many of my clients try to make a potential partner the partner, but is not the partner. Mm-hmm. It, there is such a different feel when I'm w- working with clients who have the partner. Mm-hmm. It is Life is so much easier. It's not to say you don't have to figure some things out, but the, the foundation is much cleaner. Mm-hmm. Probably feels better in the nervous system. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just there. Yeah. There's things that need to be figured out, but it just, it has an ease and flow to it. Right. So that's an important yeah. thing. There's yeah. a natural synergy. That happens with romantic partners and friends. You know, the people who I've always been really fascinated in 
people across time who finds like their partner who creates the spark. Yeah. A good example is Anthony Kiedis and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Like they found each other and there's just magic. Like you just can't put your finger on what it is. When you start a relationship like that with someone, you can't put your finger on it, but it is creating this ease. And then you have to deal with all the psychological stuff. Yes. And the conditionings that you have to unravel and repackage. Yes. Yeah, but it's easier. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to be a fairy tale. It just, Mm-mm. yeah. But mm. I feel like that's how I try to pro- approach relationships is I look for that kind of that energy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no matter if I take a gamble on this, it was worth it because I'm following that connection. And not every relationship is supposed to last forever. And it's going to provide some growth for some reason, for some lesson. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Um, So I think when people are dating, if you get in touch with, if you think about your friends in your life where you feel that, the person that you're dating should have that same essence, that same feel. And there lies one of the biggest issues is lack of patience and lack of trust or faith. So... What do you mean by that? So lack of patience is just feeling like you know your timeline and you force it. It's And a lot of my work is really built on this idea of like truly the laws of the universe, laws of nature. Mm-hmm. And you really have to, once you follow that, you realize things are actually a lot more simple. So you cannot force a flower to bloom. You cannot. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You can't force a butterfly through the transformation process. Mm-hmm. So if you sit and you set your intention of what I want is I want a partner to feel like this. I want my relationship to look like that. I want our life and our shared vision to be this. Just focus on the what you want. And then let go of your attachment to how it happens or when it happens. Mm. You can't drive that. And what happens is people have this idea of when it should be. And that brings up the issue of not trusting the process and not having faith. And those get in a lot of people's way. It could be a business. I expect to make money by this point. Well, yes, that would be ideal. But if you believe in your vision and you believe in the effort you put into creating this plan, then don't stop yourself by saying it has to happen by this point. And if it doesn't, I'll turn away. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Gottman. I'm very interested. How, what is Gottman? I know I have a lot of clients that always ask me. And mm-hmm. I've, I've watched a couple of lectures on Gottman. It's very interesting stuff. So I'd love yeah. to learn a little bit more yeah. in detail what it's all about and mm-hmm. how you apply it to uh, couples and Absolutely. Uh, individuals. The Gottman Method really informs a big piece of my work, Uh, specifically the structure and the application of specific exercises. What makes Gottman really, really popular is that all of his practices are based off of scientific evidence. Yeah. So that he created basically this whole campus, a couple's lab where he got to see what makes relationships work and what makes them not work. 
And he created these large aspects, these kind of bigger aspects of you need to have these pieces in order to have a satisfying relationship. One of my favorite pieces of his work is his magic ratio that to have a happy relationship with anyone, you need five positive experiences for every two negative. Hmm. That ratio can be really, really illuminating for a lot of people. But speaking more specific about his method, basically, you have to have the foundation of trust. Like trust is like what holds up the walls of your relationship. Without trust, you're going to have a lot of energy leak. Mm. You have to have shared vision. You have to be wanting to go in the same direction. Mm -hmm. You want to have fondness and admiration for your partner. You want to be best friends. Mm -hmm. And then you want intimacy and these other pieces, but conflict management is a huge part of what can undo a relationship. Okay. And so conflict management is really, really powerful at working with couples around because if people are fighting in a way that's very, very contemptuous and destructive to the relationship, it's going to be really hard to have trust. It's going to be really hard to be fond and admiring of your partner it's going to be hard to think about your future and where it's going to get both of you. And so one of the pivotal areas is helping clients fight fair mm. and some specific aspects that help that. How do, how do clients fight fair? Well, they don't, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what some, some of the, the key pieces is using I statements. Mm. It's huge because if, you and I were in a relationship and you say, you make me feel like this and you make me feel like that. And I wish you wouldn't do this. And you're always doing this. Well, talk about the nervous system feeling attacked. Yeah. You're not going to get, depending on how Zen and how much someone has worked on their ego, you might have a little buffer with that. But in general, that's going to put someone on their reaction immediately. And so a better way is saying, I'm feeling a little disconnected because you've been working a lot. Can we talk about that? That's a softened startup that's going to help people, help the receiver actually hear the message without getting defensive. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yeah, my sister studied nonviolent communication and mm -hmm. it saved us. So we would just trigger each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you have siblings or when you were younger, you, that one text comes and you're like, I'm ready to get into this shit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And she would just neutralize it by being, you know, she would pause and say, I feel and make a request. And, mm -hmm. and it's a game changer. It is. And I think it's, that's an essential tool for everybody to have. I mm -hmm. think in a relationship is just be able to come and be like, I feel these things about this certain thing. Can we just talk about it? Absolutely. And what that also is suggesting, language is so important. It's the symbol in which we communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And so how we say something, what words we use are very, very important in what's going to be received and what the outcome will be. And so by saying, I'm feeling this, to me, it's also taking responsibility for your own state. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's no longer blaming someone for your triggers and... There's a, a a deeply empowering message in that, but it's also allowing your partner or your friend or your family member to come in and help support. 
Because we want to be supportive, but the blame isn't 100% on one person for making you feel one way. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So I had a listener ask, you know, to ask you a question, you know, when you're in a trusting relationship, how much truth do you always need to be broadcasting to your partner? Do you always need to be telling them every single thing? And what is the limitations of that? This touches on one of my favorite topics, which is discernment, which is severely lacking in our world. Discernment is being able to recognize the right choice and the wrong choice at any given moment. And it's sometimes hard to know what that right answer is. So in, in terms of what you've just said, if I have a secret that I've been holding on or something about my life I have not shared with my husband, what I'll ask is what will be the fruits of this? And now I can't predict completely what the fruits of it will be, but I can imagine what do I think the outcome of this will be? Will this bring us closer or will this create a big splinter in our relationship? And it's hard to know exactly what that is, what the right answer is, because it's involving another person. But when you start asking the question of what if I'm right? What if I'm wrong? What will be the fruits that I can predict? And that can give you a clue about what to share and what not to share. I don't believe you have to share everything. I think sometimes people want to unload their own guilt on a relationship or they feel pressured to have to share some pieces. But knowledge before a person is ready is actually kind of harmful. That's very good. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I was always under the impression, share everything. And I would just be so honest. I would share everything with my sister. And then I got in a new relationship. It was like, I had a list. It's like, (laughs) I got to tell her all this shit. My sister one day was like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to hear someone from someone who really knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you can recognize you're not the same person you were even a year ago or five years ago, I think it it reduces the need to have to share everything. Like some of it informs the way you are in relationships and that can be fruitful and useful to express. Yeah. But some can, can just create a lot more issues. And so you have to use discernment on a case-by-case basis. That's great. Yeah. Are there other pieces of the Gottman that you haven't shared that are important to the Gottman method? This may be in the weeds a little bit, but... Let's get in there. Okay. So there's some particular exercises that if people... He has many books, which are amazing. And then if you decide that you want to go to couples therapy, you can find someone who's been trained in the Gottman Method, and it's quite easy to find. But there's this one exercise called the Dreams Within Conflict. And without getting so specific of what it is, I think... What I love about that exercise and that a lot of practitioners can utilize it without the intuitive knowing that, okay, this is much more connected to familial issues or longstanding patterns that are maladaptive. It's realizing that within in every conflict, there's actually a dream. There's actually a core issue that's being brought up. And so if couples are 
fighting and can't get to the root of something and it just feels like a mess. And then you say, you know, couples get into the conversation about, well, it was 7.15 p.m. Like, actually, it was 8.15 p.m. And then it just goes off. This happens often. If you can just sit and say, okay, what's this really about? Like, what are you really, really seeking in this fight? That can cut to the core. Yeah, we're not really arguing about time. No, but it always gets there, right? Like, yeah. just, I, I unloaded the dishwasher three times this week. No, you did twice this week. You, you'll, you'd be surprised at how many minutes or hours couples can get distracted just by that. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think someone told me one time, it's never about what it's about. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's like layers deeper. That's great. So, you know, training for a while, I'll have women that start to develop themselves, start to feel really good. You know, they're feeling more fit. They're feeling more confident. And they've maybe been with a partner 10, 15, 20 years. And they're starting to grow apart where one person is, their energy is continuing to move forward. They're new and their partner really isn't wanting to change at all. They are not really interested in what they're doing anymore. They're trying to communicate. How does someone going through that experience begin to try to communicate with somebody? Are there simple things they can do to try to approach them, to have them come along with them? Um, This is a very complicated question because, like I said a little while ago, I think the greatest potential we have in life is to find a partner who is along for the same ride and who is progressing. And it doesn't mean at the same exact rate, because you may recognize in the people you train, it te- the feminine energy tends to be the leading energy when it comes to progression of the heart, mind, or soul. Hmm. Why is that? The feminine energy holds a vision for it. Mm-hmm. And male energy and masculine energy, and this can, this, a, a person can be a male and hold more feminine energy. So totally. it's just about, and we, we all have both of those within us mm-hmm. in different ratios. And so the masculine is a very practical, active, linear, I will have this goal and I will follow this goal. But the feminine energy is what creates the perspective or the vision of how far you can take that. Hmm. And so the energies really work very, very well together. Mm-hmm. And so some some people get really upset about this idea of the man brings home the bread. But if you think about that energetically, without the social constructs and the patterns and the the issues with uh, what a lot of people project onto that. Mm-hmm. So the man brings home the bread, but what does the woman do with it? What does the feminine energy do with it? She creates something out of it. Mm-hmm. That's a law of nature. And so a woman multiplies that which she is given. And it's from that creational power, that vision, that women tend to be a little more gestalt and open to the other possibilities. 
Very cool. Mm-hmm. So because of that, that inner working together, when women are feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling pulled to this class or I want to do this or I am interested in meditating, oftentimes I see the woman leading that or the, the one who's holding more feminine energy leading that. Mm-hmm. A lot of ego can come into that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think a woman or the person leading has to be in their power in the most graceful of ways in mm-hmm. order to inspire the change in their partner. Mm-hmm. And so if one person is making all these changes, there can be it can be really easy to compare like you're not here. Mm-hmm. And then the person's just feeling that criticism and that judgment. Mm-hmm. But if the person who's leading is saying like, I know, like we can be there together, that energy is going to be very much different. Mm-hmm. But again, we'll go back to discernment because the person who's making all these changes has to discern for theirself how long before this person may be holding me back. Mm-hmm. And that's when a conversation gets really difficult because a relationship can be very comforting to a fault. Mm-hmm. And... I've seen a lot of people choose to stay in a relationship because it's always been rather than actually develop further. And so if both people are really doing their work and both progressing, there is a chance that those those paths don't actually line up with each other, that it's actually a more temporary relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you have the wherewithal of like knowing, well, maybe we inspired each other, maybe we motivated each other, then there's less attachment of what that relationship looks like long term. But it's difficult because you want to be patient, mm-hmm. but you don't want to enable. And that is a fine line of yeah. when to be patient and when you're actually enabling and when you're actually uh, hurting yourself. So it's very individual, right? Uh for each person in the relationship, right? You're having all these amazing changes, you're trying to lead as as the feminine energy the relationship forward and hopefully you're in a relationship with somebody who already is in a space of, I always want to try to be led, uh, you know, and be open-minded and maybe I'm resistant at first, but there can be come a place and it's individual for everybody where you got to figure out what's the best path for my own energy and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, Seems very tricky for sure. It's, it's very tricky. It's, it's super individual. I it's, imagine. And it is. And I know, I, I talk specifically about male, female, but it doesn't always follow that, that pattern, certainly. But it is, it is very, very challenging when one person is seeking more and there's any sense of being closed off or re- resolute in staying where you are. It's really, really hard to have a satisfying relationship when those two types are in a relationship. Very interesting. Yeah. So I had another listener want to ask a question about trauma, especially for the older generation. So the older generation, you know, our parents in their 70s and 80s, they weren't really taught a lot about trauma. They weren't even educated on should I even deal with any of my trauma? Mm-hmm. How do you support a parent or an older relative that's going, you know, you know, expressing these habits or patterns 
that are challenging, how do you best support them when they're very unopen to working on any of their past trauma or issues? Mm-hmm. I feel very, very compassionate to older generations because they've been through some shit. Yeah, they have. And I think about and no support and no support and the messaging, the, the messaging of men don't feel feelings. And just I know. there's a book called It Didn't Start With You. It's about inherited transgenerational trauma, mm-hmm. ancestral trauma. And it has the field of epigenetics is very fascinating of how actually all that trauma is within our DNA and we all have a chance to heal it and you heal it for one, then the whole family line has a chance to heal. So that would be my first answer. If you see a mom or a grandparent, it's actually nicer when it's it's one generation removed. So for me, I started working on all these things. As I started working on them, my mom started shifting and my dad started shifting. And there was just like an open of potential that happened. And mm-hmm. so the more I cleaned up my stuff, I could be with either of my parents and I wasn't reacting in the same way. Relationships are like systems and systems love to, to stay in an equilibrium, like an equal equilibrium, a homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And if one person within that system starts to change, it actually perturbs the whole system. And the whole system will try to keep the other one like, no, 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 go back. But if you persist and you do it in a very healed way, then you actually have the chance to start to shift and to bring in other conversations. So if someone is working with me in psychotherapy and say, especially when we start to do more of the practical spiritual healing energetic tools, Mm -hmm. then they'll really start to see like all of a sudden mom's talking about reading this self-help book. Like it will, these magical things will start to appear. So through your own work, your own healing, you give your family line a potential of starting to do their work. And all you need is a little opening and just a little crack. And then something really can change. And again, yeah, all you need is a crack. You know, I think it's like we don't really need that much. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone in your life who inspires you and is like doing the work and you're seeing the fruits of their labor, then it doesn't matter all the messages that you've grown up with. Doesn't matter if it's 60 years worth of messaging. If you have direct experience seeing someone close to you change, mm-hmm. then there's something inside of you that will say, I can too. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with people who are in their 70s who who can change. All all of us can absolutely change. Yeah. And sometimes we just need a conductor. Sometimes we just need someone that will give us the spark to change. So it sounds like there's a reoccurring theme, you know, personal responsibility of continually trying to grow yourself Mm -hmm. and how your own personal growth is really kind of orchestrating your life around you. And the best way to maybe create change in family or children or relationships is start to look at yourself. And if you're limited in what you can do, find someone who can help you look at yourself. 
and then begin there. And it doesn't mean it's all you, but it's a good place to begin and have support. Yeah, let's, if we take this more macro, what do you think would be different in the world if everyone had that thought process? There wouldn't be any news. <laughs> there would be a, oh, this dog tournament, this really happy golden retriever jumps. At, it would be so different. We are very quick to blame and say, clean up your side of the street. And then we don't recognize, well, have we cleaned up ours? If you actually focus on cleaning up your own side of the street, then you probably wouldn't get bothered by their side of the street because you're like, I'm happy over here. <laughs> and that, I think, is is the fundamental flaw of, and, and a core piece of what's happening really in the world. It's, well, we need to change. Like, uh, this might be, be too much, but... No, never. People are really get upset with Jeff Bezos. Why? Like they're like, you shouldn't be spending your money like that. You should be doing this. You should. Well, it's like okay, then cool. Create a company and do it. And it's that shifting of blame and that responsibility of saying, I want someone else to live according to my principles and values. But I actually have not created the business that makes this much money and does this and etc 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 so i think we all just need to be a little slower to blame and a little quicker to asking if we've cleaned up our side of the street yeah and it sounds like projecting your own beliefs of how the world should work and you're not following the way i wanted to so therefore it's wrong mm-hmm. right it's, mm-hmm. a bu- it's a bunch of wasted energy anyways mm-hmm. do you have good book recommendations that people can you know that are interested in self exploration or more relationship that they can start to dive into. Mm-hmm. Like one of your favorites, you always go back to. <laughs> so how how esoteric to get? I... You can go all the way to the top. <laughs> Let's go to the sixth dimension. Oh, Let's go. Man, you oh can, man! Yeah. Everybody listening is a wide variety. Yeah. There's no limit, so yeah. you can share anything and I, maybe give a different levels. Yeah. I think if you're starting out to, if you're starting in this journey of really trying to see yourself as more than just recycled patterns, then Untethered Soul is a really good place to start. I love that. It's book. it was it was the first in my awakening, if you will. Mm-hmm. I really really love Eckhart Tolle. I think New Earth is so so pivotal and. His books are not the most esoteric, mind-bending, brain-dissolving books I've ever read, Mm -hmm. but they're digestible. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a good place to start. I love that. Yeah. And then if you want to notch it up a little bit, where do we go from there? Manly P. Hall. Manly P. Hall. Yes. It talk about, it's all about hermetics which are fundamental truths of the world and mm. the universe and the multiverse. And you could read one stanza and sit on it for a long time. So cool. it's, yeah, but it's great because it, it really is, it, it blends cosmology and numerology and spirituality and quantum physics and s- sociology all together. And it just shows it's all the same system and it's pretty incredible. 
I love those. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to get that book. Yeah. And then on a personal note, do you have your own rituals to kind of connect to yourself, to find peace, to be able to go into your day, interact with your husband and your kid that help center you? I'm always curious about people's personal practices. I do have many rituals. I study in a hermetic lineage where Mm -hmm. I'm handed down specific rituals that are aimed at shifting the energy in some way or what rituals are basically like boosting the router so you can receive more of like the out of the matrix light or energy or however you want to say it, universal powers. Yeah. And so, yeah, I have very specific rituals, many, many, many that have been handed down through my own studies and path. And you teach a lot of these to your clients, yes, right? Yes. So you help provide them right. tools, right? Yeah. And I think you were telling me, you know, um, before we started, people get to a place that's limited in their therapy and adding these tools helps them start to expand their life and grow even more. Yes. And you notice that with your own life, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, at a certain point, I could explain why I was the way that I was. Why growing up the way that I did, having the parents I did led me to this. Why, why, why? Lots of insight, lots of analysis, lots of psychological programming. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be free from the mind and thus led me to a discovery of a system and tools, teachings and healings that put lay down a path for me to get there. So I spent a year reading all the books. I was like, okay, I need to be present. Well, how do I be present? And then when I started learning these rituals, like truly rituals, um, these teachings that allowed me to dive in energetically and truly experience more of who I was, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I was just present. And so when I'm working with someone and we're like, okay, well, we figured out mom dad, stepdad, children, this, that, but I still don't feel like I'm living my potential or I don't really know what my purpose is. Then I say, well, let's start on some healings. And all of these are part of a a lineage and very pure and very old. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you like the healings and you feel curious, then here are some teachings. And if you want to continue to go, then you can. And it's the study of the universe. So I'm going to stop you there because we're definitely going to do a part two because that's like a perfect <laughs> intro to a part two. But we only have an hour today. Okay, okay. And that was beautiful. And I, I, I really appreciate you being here. How do people find you, work with you, you yeah. know, check you out? Also, even I know you're super busy, so I know you're happy to refer to other people as well. So you're a good resource, mm-hmm. even if they can't work with you. Yep. If you're interested in the counseling piece, mm-hmm. austincounselingbalance.com. If you're interested in more of the spiritual energetic routes, clarityveil.com. Awesome. Any final words? No, thank you. This was so enjoyable. I yeah. knew it would be there. So thank you. <laughs> I'm grateful for having you. I love these kinds of conversations. Now, after this kind of conversation, you probably have many more questions. One thing you can do is reach out to Casey. If you're looking for a therapist, she can definitely guide you in finding resources or you can work with her. What I want you to take away from this episode is 
where are my blind spots? And do I have someone in my life, whether it's a coach or it's friends or family members or I'm, you know, in a course or a program that helps me see my blind spots? As you can see from this, even though your life is going amazing, could it be even better? Or can you prevent potential downfalls in the future? Always growing, always challenging yourself, always trying to find where your blind spots are, always just exploring yourself, right? You're a human being in this amazing experience on earth for a very short period of time. It is my intention through this podcast to help provide you tools and resources to make that experience as amazing as it can be. And the thing that makes life so worth living is the relationships we have. And if we continue to improve the quality of those relationships, how good can life be, right? And so I hope this inspires you to find a coach, a therapist, a program, a workshop, a retreat to continue to grow as an individual, to continue to grow for your community, for your loved ones, for your friends, and for all those around you. You know, your energy affects everyone else's energy. And it's our responsibility to continue to nurture and take care of our own energy. All right, guys, I super appreciate you being here, listening to these episodes. Continue to share them, like them. Again, always feel free to reach out to me. Let me know if you, how this podcast has affected you or if you have suggestions for future episodes. All right, guys, stay strong, stay focused, and get those goals accomplished.